Welcome, everyone. This is Chris Tubbs, uh, the newly installed president of the California Fire Chiefs Association. And today, our guest speaker is Ted Peterson, who is a deputy chief for the Southern Marin Fire Protection District in Marin County. And we've invited Ted to come and speak about PPGEMT. And so with that, let me just start off by welcoming uh, Ted and uh, let Ted introduce himself in case some of the audience doesn't know you. Uh, Thank you very much, Chief Tubbs. I'm very excited uh, to be here today to talk about this subject that's uh, so near and uh, dear to my heart over the last uh, 10 years. And I'm excited to talk about it and explain some of the mysteries um, in a little more um, longhand format than, uh, you know, the usual five minutes passing in the hallway uh, at a conference. So I'm glad I'm I'm glad we're able able to do this today. Well, again, I'm glad to have you here. And and although I have the benefit of you being one of my deputy chiefs in your office right across from mine, and I can ask you these questions on the fly, as you say, um, obviously, today, we really want to get into talking about the various types of reimbursement programs sort of under this umbrella of GEMT. But I think there may be some benefit to the audience to hear a little bit about what is the history of uh, this, these types of programs and what is it? Uh, I think for many folks, um, especially at the fire chief level who may not really be involved in the reimbursement process, some of this could be a little bit um, of a mystery or confusing. So why don't we start off with the, the uh, history of GEMT and the various programs? Great. Well, thank you for the, again, for the opportunity. So So this really goes back to uh, the Social Security Act, which was implemented in uh, the 1960s and arguably was first um, debated in Congress some 20 years prior to that. And so the the federal government, uh, with the Social Security Act, um, uh, decided that It's the federal government's responsibility to take care of those people who cannot take care of themselves. So specifically for this program, the Ground Emergency Medical Transportation Program, we're talking about patients, we're talking about people that are patients that belong to the Medicaid program. So the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services at the federal level, CMS, run the programs uh, that we're super familiar with, right? And certainly any, any of us that do ambulance uh, transport and billing know of Medicare and Medicaid. Well, Medicaid in California is called Medi-Cal. So <clears throat> the federal government said it's our job to take care of those people who cannot take care of themselves. And so we stood up these programs. Uh, again, in California, it's Medi- Medi-Cal. And what, uh, what the federal government said is that if, if we don't want to burden the states with our business, it's our responsibility to take care of these people who can't take care of themselves. So Medi-Cal patients or Medicaid patients are usually those of lower, uh, uh, lower income disabilities and pregnant women. Uh, those usually fall into the categories uh, for Medi- Medi-Cal in California. So, so the federal government said, you, the states, we're going to uh, give you this money. 
to monitor these programs and, and put them in place. And however, if you do so, if we don't give you enough money, and of course, Chief, I'm, I'm being, trying to be simple with the explanation, but if, if we don't give you enough money, then we are putting our burden on your local taxpayers, and, and we don't want to do that. So if that happens, and, and we didn't do it on purpose, but if that happens, and we are going to put a provision in that says we will reimburse uh, the, those, uh, in this case, healthcare providers with taxing authority, uh, 50 cents on the dollar on the loss uh, for you to do our business. So, so again, these programs have been around for the, since the 60s. And uh, hospitals have been uh, have have been doing this for for years, but again, they, they have to be uh, healthcare providers with taxing authority. So, uh, not all hospitals, for-profit hospitals, are not um, allowed to be in the program. And as in our case, private ambulances are not allowed to be in this particular program. And we'll talk about the other programs, like you said earlier, <clears throat> one in which they are. So uh, the fire departments, well, we certainly provide health care. Um, when the beginning of this program, we there, there weren't that many fire chiefs that, to be honest with you, uh, Chief Tubbs, that saw themselves as health care providers. <clears throat> you know, we deliver EMS, but we're, you know, we're firefighters, we're operations. Um, so... Uh, we, uh, my partner on this program from the very beginning um, was then uh, 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 Battalion Chief Clough for Sac Metro Fire, who's now since retired, uh, retired as Assistant Chief, and has started uh, uh, with his partner, Kurt Hinkey, who was the Fire Chief at Sac Metro. <clears throat> they started consulting business AP Triton. So, so Scott and I started this program together. He's the one that introduced me to the concept. I was doing some work with them on ambulance billing uh, back in the day, and he was approached um, by someone in the Capitol on a, on a visit to the state Capitol of California and said, hey, whatever happened to this program that we, we passed legislation for you guys? And Scott asked me if I'd ever heard about it, which I had not. <clears throat> so we researched it and, and and said, holy smokes, this could be a lot of money to the California Fire Service. And so we embarked on the journey, you know, 10, 12 years ago, which now has led us uh, to where we are today um, <clears throat> with the GMT programs, uh, of which there are three uh, currently in different, in different formats. So, so that, that's kind of the history of how we got to where we are. And uh, I could pause that there and see if you have any follow-up questions or I can go into the different types of programs. Yeah, that was actually the next thing, Ted, I wanted to jump into. You know, I just speaking from my own experience when I was sort of first introduced um, to this, um, these types of programs or this concept of tapping into those, those dollars, um, I heard a variety of acronyms, a buffet of acronyms, GEMT, IGT, the QAF, 
And, you know, for quite some time, um, that was not exactly clear to me what all of those were, what the distinctive differences were, how they impacted my agency, what my agency was engaged in. Uh, so I think there's benefit uh, to the audience uh, in learning more about what each of those programs are uh, and how they impact each of us uh, differently. Okay, great. So, so in order to um, to get um, the reimbursement from the federal government uh, to us, right? Um, healthcare providers, government providers of healthcare with taxing authority—that's the term. Um, in order for us to tap into these federal dollars, we have to show we have to show and prove that there's a loss that we have actually incurred a loss. Now, again, probably more familiar to fire agencies that transport, but um, you know, the average Medi-Cal reimbursement for transport is say, you know, roughly $120. The average cost for fire department uh, for transport is closer to $2,000 on average, some, some higher. Um, so it's, it's pretty easy to say, of course, there's a loss. Med- Medi-Cal doesn't pay hardly anything, but we have to prove it. <clears throat> so there's two ways to prove the loss. So the, the local government provider of healthcare does it in two ways. One way, which was the original program, the original GEMT program is through what's called a certified public expenditure. And that's a CPE. A certified public expenditure is that the the local agency must prove in writing that it uh, provides this service and does so at a loss. So uh, there's a there's um, a very there's a I don't want to say complicated that's the wrong word but um, there's a a form that we use to certify our loss forms plural. Uh, and so we, we do that in writing and we show uh, on the document at the end of the document shows our loss per transport. And then uh, that's multiplied by the amount of transports we did for Medi-Cal patients. And then there is the dollar amount and the you know, fire chief city manager um, signs it. And that certifies that there was a public expenditure. That, and, and then we provided the care at a loss. So uh, that program, uh, we did. We would do that annually. And I and I and I reference it like if you're doing your taxes longhand, right? There's a short form and, and a long version. If you own a business, there's even more forms you fill out. So uh, so we so we all uh, fill out the forms and submit them to the state. The state then uh, uh, approves them, so to speak, and then they the state then pulls down what's called the federal share, which is fifty cents on the dollar of our loss, uh, using our certified public expenditure. So that that document. So it's really important that that document is accurate. Number one, and then we'll, I think we'll talk later on, and that we take also full um, advantage of this 
program to make sure we capture all of our expenses because these monies come back to our agencies and to enhance the level of service to the safety net, right? To, to all of the people that we serve um, in, in our geographical areas. It's not going to corporate profit or offshore accounts <laughs> or vacations or fancy cars. Um, we're putting the money back into our system to make the system better for all of the folks, but specifically the safety net folks, right? So we, we focus on uh, those Medi-Cal patients. And so the directive and the rules from the federal government say that the money must go back to the, the agency of government that incurred the loss. So in our case, right, that we go back to the fire department. So if you're a city or a county, um, you, sh you as a fire chief should follow the money and make sure that you're getting those dollars back because it's your department that provided the service and did so at a loss. <clears throat> and it, it's not supposed to go to the general fund at all. In fact, it's, like I said, very specific that it goes to the agency of government that provided the service and it did so at a loss. So, so that's the first way that we verify that we took care of, you know, Mrs. Smith, the Medi-Cal patient, and we did so at a loss. And that's how the money flows. Uh, the second way that this is done is through what's called an intergovernmental transfer or an IGT. So <clears throat> the IGT program is not as uh, onerous on the paperwork side. And it's, it's set up more uh, similar to taking our word for it, but we have to put the, we have to put our non-federal share so our, our matching funds uh, up to the state. So we have to write a check to the state for 50% uh, of our loss. That fed, then the state pushes that to the federal government. The federal government then matches it, sends it back to the state. The state, of course, will take a percentage off both of these programs because they have to manage them. And these programs can be at no cost to the general fund. This, that's a very important concept. We'll talk about the new program. Um, no impact to the state's general fund. No, and correct. Yeah, yeah. No impact to the state's general fund. So once the state takes their fee um, off the top, then the 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 rest of the money is then pushed back down to the providers. Both of those programs are done annually. Uh, the IGT and um, and the CPE programs. So th those are the two programs. Then, then there is uh, a hybrid program called the Quality Assurance Fee or the QAF program. This was the third program that came up, and this was this was absolutely pushed. Um, and hats off to them. It's by the private ambulance um, industry. They looked at what the uh, private um, nursing home industry did. Um, similar situation, right? We had government providers of healthcare that were nursing homes or skilled, skilled nursing facilities and privates. And the privates are like, just like the private ambulances are with the fire departments now going, hey, this isn't fair. We're doing the same thing and you're getting 
this uh, this reimbursement, like the appeals that we've seen with with our new program that we're that we'll talk about, uh, push from the private ambulance, and I don't blame them, but but the private nursing homes came up with a, a workaround, and they called it a quality assurance fee. So in essence, um, the uh, nursing homes and now the private ambulances said, hey, you know what? We're going to improve service um, and and uh, we're going to do so uh, by participating in this program. And we're going to assess a quality assurance fee to each other. So, so they literally taxed each other. Through the quality assurance fee, they pushed that up to the state. The state uh, did the same thing, put the money to the federal government. The federal government matched the dollars and brought the money down. <clears throat> but in this case, the money is not distributed to uh, the ambulance providers annually. It's it, through the quality assurance fee. You get the increase per transport. So instead of the $120 you would get roughly uh, for a regular Medi-Cal patient, you would get additional roughly $200, I think it's $220, but $200 on top of that. So you get $320 for every ambulance transport every single time. So you didn't get it in a lump sum, uh, like a tax return at the end of the year, which is kind of what, we re what I relate to CPE and IGT programs first. So this program is different, uh, distributed differently, and also funded differently. So the QAF program, we actually put the money up quarterly. And then, uh, so the same mechanism goes up to put the money up to the state. State gets the matching funds from the feds. And then that's distributed now through the health plans and reimbursed per transport. So our new program will be will be uh, run the same way uh, as the QAF program. So I'll, I'll pause there and, and see if there's some clarifying questions. No, I think, I think that you've covered those um, programs um, pretty um, comprehensively. Certainly, you know, I, I think in, in a way that we can understand them at, at a high level, you know, what is the essence of each program? What are they designed to do? And the mechanics of that, you know, the, the catalyst for today's um, podcast is really this PPGEMT, um, and it's probably a, a, a great point to segue into that, in part because um, of a timeline, um, and certainly, as you will get into describing, you know, the requirements. So this, you know, what does it mean to me as an individual agency? What's the expectation? Um how do I get informed? How do I get trained? All of those things. So I think why don't we why don't we jump into this? You know, how is you know the GEMT program changing with this new PPGEMT? Uh, let's start there. How is it changing? And then we can get into talking about the details about what does a change mean. Okay. So uh, all along, or yeah, since the inception of the GEMT program. Um, Scott Clough and I um, have been explaining, trying, trying to move Department of Healthcare Services that we provide fire agencies, we provide healthcare as a team, just like the hospital does. And that 
the team starts with the first responders, right? So the men and women on our engine companies, not always, but usually in most systems, get to the patient first, you know, Mrs. Smith, the medical patient first, and start providing care. The ambulance gets there often later and then uh, takes over care and will transport the patient to the hospital. And we've, and we've been <clears throat> for, for more than 10 years um, arguing that point with Department of Healthcare Services that we provide care as a team. And as such, we should be able to include the costs that the taxpayers are paying for us to provide the first, you know, three, four, two, you know, two O staffed engine company. Um, so for a total on average of five, um, five patients, or excuse me, five um, employees, healthcare providers providing care to the recipient, the beneficiary. So uh, we find, so now, Five, five-ish years ago, well, we put uh, Assembly Bill 1705 together, uh, and that goal was to clarify this point and to uh, enhance the GEMT program. So Assembly Bill 1705 was passed into law. We were working with department, we have been working with Department of Healthcare Services to implement it all along. Uh, with the goal of including the whole team. Now, uh, Chief Tubbs, as you know, uh, in the meanwhile, uh, some 11 to 16 other states, as California was the first state to implement a GEMT program for fire service, uh, those that transport. <clears throat> Since then, 11 to 16 other states have copied us, literally, <laughs> using our cost reports, our explanation, our state plan amendment, uh, which is uh, what needs to be done to implement the program when you augment um, the budget. And they've been successful and successful in including from day one, the cost of the whole team. Okay, so all other first responders. So 1705 was to, to clean this up. Um, and unfortunately, uh, Department of Healthcare Services uh, through a variety of, of um, reasons, uh, still did not interpret the, uh, the assembly bill the way that we wanted it to be and we expected it to be. So it's taken us four years to implement 1705. So 1705 turned into the Public Provider Ground Emergency Medical Transportation Program or PPGEMT. And, and like you said, we almost need a scorecard to keep up with all the all the uh, acronyms that we have here. <clears throat> so, so PPGMT program works. It's it's first of all, it's an intergovernmental transfer program. So it's an IGT. So it'll work just like the QAF, where we will have to put up money quarterly in order for the state to get the federal reimbursement to the state. The state distributes that money to the healthcare providers, the insurances, excuse me, the um, both public and private providers of um, of medic medical in the state of California, and we will get an increase per transport um, 
uh, and not an annual payment as we do now. So the so in rough numbers, I'm just going to say it's uh, $1,000 per transport. So to get to the $1,000 per transport, we had to come up with, we agreed to make it easy on the state and Department of Healthcare Services. Uh, Scott and I agreed that we would take a statewide average. So we have all the agencies that participate in GMT fill out cost reports. So, and, and Scott and I and Pilar and others trained all of us <laughs> that, that are in the program on how to do the cost reports the right way. But Scott and I never, you know, the, the cost reports are proprietary to each agency, so they cannot be shared. So on more than one occasion, the private ambulance industry has, has tried to get access to those for, you know, a variety of methods. <clears throat> um, and it's been deemed that these are proprietary information and they can't be shared. So we assumed, Scott and I assumed that, you know, all the agencies were filling out the cost reports the right way, because why wouldn't they? Scott and I taught, taught you how to do it. And everybody listened, I'm sure. And, uh, but we found out that, holy smokes, the, there are great ranges of cost per transport um, as submitted through the CPE cost reports. Uh, but we had already committed to the state that we would take the statewide average to make it easy on them as, as opposed to a regional average, uh, which is what the hospitals do. <clears throat> when we did that, we came we like I said, we came out with this uh, disparity uh, between between even neighboring agencies of like size by uh, a great deal. You could have one agency that's twenty five hundred per transport and right next door, same size, shape, uh, number of stations, MOUs, everything, and they're eight hundred per transport. And the reason is because the the lesser amount, the agency with the lesser amount per transport was not claiming everything that they could claim. And with some, some root cause analysis, we found out that, well, first of all, it's not fire chiefs. We all know, it's not fire chiefs filling out these reports. It's usually the finance folks. Um, and now uh, uh, kind of more uh, contemporary or consultants uh, but in the beginning was the, the finance folks and they didn't understand it or they didn't want to take the risk because with the CPE program comes a guaranteed audit for every single, and they must be audited by the state. And so there, there, there was a risk there. And um, uh, so it was either misunderstanding. You know, I don't want to say laziness, but uh, or lack of lack of risk, uh, wanting of risk. So there's these wide ranges on there. So there's more value to this program, is my point, than currently exists. Uh, we feel strongly about. <clears throat> so, um, so the the PPGMT program will absolutely start, um, as I said at the conference on Jan January first, two thousand twenty-three, and as such, the current programs go away. So the, the original CPE program, GEMT program goes away and the COAF program goes away. Or excuse me, the public providers are no longer 
in the Coif program, uh, which which is fine because we're going to go right from you know three hundred dollars of transport to a thousand dollars of transport. So so we're happy with that. This this program is uh, is has better reimbursement um, for the local agencies <clears throat> than the Coif program does. Um, so uh, in so I'll pause there, and then uh, what I, I would like to talk about the CMS bulletin, um, informational bulletin that came out on August 17th and how that ties in to here, because we're getting a lot of questions on that as well. Yeah, and, and maybe before we jump to that, Ted, as you said, some of these existing programs are going away, and with this sort of stew of acronyms around uh, GEMT and this reimbursement, the various reimbursement programs, Let's just maybe clarify for the audience. So you say PPGEMT is a type of IGT program. Correct. Right? And yet it is also a GEMT program. Correct. So what is the difference between an IGT and a GEMT, if there is a difference? So that so the the GMT is the is the program title, Ground Emergency Medical Transportation. It's funded in two ways. One is through certified public expenditures. That's doing your taxes the long form. That's a CPE. The other is the intergovernmental transfer, IGT. And that's not filling out the taxes long form, but putting your money up to prove that you, you've had a loss. And so Which this program, uh, will we're switching from, um, as you know, a lot of our fire chief's friends would say is a very onerous uh, certified public expenditure process to fill out all the forms to where we're going to put our money up to, to show our loss and not have to fill out forms. And I'll, and I'll touch base on, on, on the strategy with that. Um, if, if you remind me here towards the end. Yeah. And, 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 and the part, I guess part of the purpose of the question was not only the clarity, but I, I think that is uh, ultimately a piece that we want to talk about. So clarifying that now beginning to get people to sort of get their head around um, the difference between those two and why we're switching and what the implication is we'll get into. And I know we want to jump into this bulletin from CMS um, maybe as part of the introduction, I just want to pause and give a shout out to our partners, the uh, California Professional Firefighters Association, President Rice, and the great work that they have done in partnering uh, with us and in, in, in many cases, uh, having access uh, to resources that we do not. But this is a, a great example of where CPF and Cal Chiefs come together, and we do on many things. But this partnership um, is, is yielding, you know, obviously, again, very positive outcomes. But because we're standing side by side and pushing this, we have influence, we have clout. But with that, why don't you go ahead and jump into the CMS bulletin, because I think that's a really important part of this PPGMT. So th thanks again, Chief. So we so when when uh, Scott and I first pushed the 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 first program, um, you know, some ten tenish years ago, um, I'll use this as an as an example. Um, so we said earlier, the federal government talks to the states. The federal government does not talk to 
the individual pr providers. That's the state's job in their eyes. So when we started the original program, the, the state uh, Department of Healthcare Services, like today, really didn't understand the program, in my opinion. And Scott and I act, asked and asked and pushed and pushed and said, so the, so the state was asking questions to the federal government, to CMS, and getting responses to those questions, and then making interpretations of those questions to tell us that this and that and that aren't allowable. And we would and we would say, hey, can we see the questions? And finally, we were able to see the questions. And we said, well, you're asking the wrong questions. We're not trying to do that, what you are implying by these questions. We're trying to do this. And, you know, please let us talk to uh, decision makers at CMS. Well, finally, we did. So, again, this is, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Finally, we were able to talk to the uh, Region 9 in San Francisco. And we could talk to Scott. It's like literally within some 30 minutes, we got everyone at the room head nod, heads nodding going, oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's totally allowable. No problem whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so fast forward to today, right? So, so since 1705, AB1705, we thought it was like, how much more clear can we be? that we provide healthcare as a team and that the men and women on the engine company are part of the team. And we need, there's this mechanism here. Our rules that were approved, that are published, say firefighters that provide the service are included. Come on, can we please do this again? Sit down with CMS. And we repeatedly were told, now, and, and Chief, as, as background, the people that were here 12, 10 years ago, we're on team like five since then. So every time there's a new team, Scott and I and Pilar have to sit down and school them up on what this program is. And, and so I know that they're I know they're trying real hard, but the current group we still feel don't understand how the program goes. So I give you all that background to say um, is it, it is without question that there is no way, <clears throat> because we tried and tried and tried, that uh, Cal Chiefs could have gotten in front of uh, Secretary Becerra's staff at, at department, I mean, excuse me, at CMS, without, uh, without the influence of Brian Rice, CPF, and Frank Lima from the International uh, to make that happen. And we were so grateful to them to work with us, um, as you said, side by side. So we had, so they were able to orchestrate a meeting. Uh, we were there. We were laser focused. We explained what we were trying to do. And then from that, uh, you know, long story short, kind of thing, from that came an informational bulletin from CMS to the states dated August 17th of 2022 um, from the deputy administrator and director, Center for Medicaid. Uh, services. And it talks about clarifying cost principles for ground emergency medical transportation, GMT programs for those states that have them. And it lists the things that are not allowable, which we have, we 100% agree with. 
right? So, so firefighters doing firefighter suppression activities don't count. We've never, we never said it does, but it goes on and on and on in here about how those things uh, don't count. <clears throat> but then it says at the bottom of page two, after it lists all the things that are probably unallowable, it says, however, comma, all personnel who meet applicable Medicaid provider qualifications, paren, such as Medicaid participating licensed or certified emergency medical technicians, and paren, and provide Medicaid covered services at an emergency site to beneficiaries may be included in the GMT cost allocations. And then it goes on to say, you know, provided that it's approved and blah, 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 which all ours is. So we finally have the, the uh, document, documentation interpretation that we've been asking for for all these years, in our opinion, that says, yes, you, you can't count something, somebody just because they're there, but if they're helping provide service to Mrs. Smith, finally we can count the whole team. So I give you this background because this, this should increase, um, allow us to account for our true costs, just like hospitals do, that provide this service, and will increase our cost per transport two to three times what it is today. So our strategy has been, <clears throat> uh, because, so on the last four years of GAMT, the CPE program, not the QAF, has been put on hold while we're working to implement 1705, the PPGEMT program. So what we have said and what you heard at the convention was, hey, these cost reports will be audited. So now you can include the cost of, of your first responders, just use one term, and do it. Put it in for these next four years because these will be audited once audited, then now we, as California Fire Service, can point to a new audited cost report with a higher per call, high, higher per transport dollar amount that then we'll be able to pull down more federal fun funds for. It won't be right away, but it will happen. <clears throat> because remember, the IGT program doesn't require cost reports. We're just pointing to co audited cost reports as a starting point. But we negotiated in the rules that every three years, we can go back and say, hey, we need to adjust this rate uh, per transport, and we'll do it through a cost report that you can audit. So, so that, is, uh, <clears throat> that is the strategy uh, that we have now moving forward with the PPGEMT program. So, Ted, if we dial this down to kind of the local agency level, which, again, you know, was introduced at the conference uh, last week, um, because this program begins January 1 of 2023, there are certain requirements around that. Um, and I think this is a good point sort of to um, pivot into that and talk about what, what does this mean to me as an individual agency? What do I need to do in preparation for this program? And, and how do I ensure um, that I am 
for lack of a better description, doing my part. Uh, this is part of a statewide system. Uh, obviously, you know, each of us has to participate in it. Uh, but maybe you could jump into that because I think that's really, um, again, kind of at the heart of today's podcast, because I know that there is going to be some additional outreach and training by Cal Chiefs. And maybe this is a great way to begin to sort of inform people about what this means to them and how do they prepare as that information and that training comes out. That's great. So, so one of the questions that, um, that I've been asked the most is uh, because Department of Healthcare Services did, has done two trainings on the new uh, public provider GMT program. Now, we have to understand it does, we have to understand that uh, an IGT program by rule uh, are voluntary. You, they, you can't be forced into an IGT program. So, so put that away for a second. The Department of Healthcare Services made that point several times in the presentation, which led to confusion. And the confusion was, oh, I'm just going to stay with the current two programs. I understand those. This other one, I, you didn't answer all my questions. It's too risky. I'm just going to hang on the sidelines until it gets flushed out more. And, and you know, Cal Chiefs comes in and, and explains it better to us because you, you guys aren't making much sense. And it was true that, that their training was not very helpful and more and more, I had so many chiefs come up to me and tell me the same thing. Number one, number two, there's a lot of agencies that got really beat up on the audits. Our friends in the Central Valley, East Bay, I mean, they got hammered on these audits and that's a whole, that's probably a whole nother discussion. But um, the if, if you get audited, our advice is to fight it and appeal it because those that did mostly won. Um, but some people filled the cost reports out wrong and they did have to give money back. Well, if you did it wrong, I'm sure you didn't mean to, but if you did it wrong, then it doesn't apply. But a lot of people did it right. And the, one of the biggest confusions was those agencies that uh, cross-staff, right? So you have, you have 3 on the engine and a medical aid comes in at your turn on the ambulance to take that call, then you jump on the ambulance. Um, <clears throat> they they just couldn't understand that. So so you had two sets of folks that are coming forward because Department of Healthcare Services said, "Hey, this is this is optional." Well, it's optional because they can't tell you you must do it. But as Cal Chiefs, we're saying, "No, you must do it," and here's why: you those other two programs go away. So all of a sudden, you're going to get a thousand dollars per transport round numbers, right? $1,000 per transport, but you didn't put up any of your federal share, but you're getting the benefit of the $1,000 per transport. Well, at the end of the day or the end of the year, remember I said earlier that these programs cannot affect the state's general fund. Not $1 from the state's general fund can go into these programs. So if the let's say the program brings in uh, you know, $100, $300 million a year to the California Fire Service, then, um, and, you're, and here agency X is getting 
the benefit of the cost per transport. Remember, you're not getting the, the tax return at the end of the year anymore. You're going to get it every single time your billing company sends the bills out and you get reimbursed. And you're getting the benefit without putting the money up. Well, at the end of the day, the overall program costs X. So let's say, round numbers, let's say it's a $300 million program. So we have to put up $150 million total um, in order to, to the state to bring down the federal funds on the match. And let's say we're $50 million short. Well, what's going to happen? Well, we know it can't go to this general fund. So the remaining providers that have already paid their fair share are going to have to make up the difference. And if we don't, the program goes away. Now, it won't go away like a light switch overnight, but it will go away. And then we'd be back to going backwards over time. And I don't know how long it would take back to the programs that we have today that will be sunsetting on January 1st. So you, when, you, when you heard the training from Scott Clough, <clears throat> and if you've talked to me, you hear me say, no, that's, that's BS. These are not, you need to understand, this is not optional. We all have to put money in the game. And I think once fire chiefs understand that, you know, you don't, none of us want to screw our, our neighboring agency. Um, but uh, that's the reality. It, it cannot affect the general fund. So those, if it falls short, then those providers in the game will have to make up the difference, which again is not fair, um, or the program goes away. So like we said, if we have, let's just say, <clears throat> you know, a couple small departments out in ABC County and, uh, you know, the, the loss is a million dollars. Well, we probably all could pony up, uh, figure out a way to come up with a million dollars. So this program that's worth, you know, 50, $100 million to LA city, um, they probably don't want it to go away. So we, we probably could do that. However, if LA city says I'm out and it's $50 million chunk, you know, where are we going to come up with that and how that's going to do it? So, uh, that, as I said, the department of healthcare services did not help us win their training by saying that this was voluntary, but please understand they have to say it's voluntary because they cannot force, uh, government providers of healthcare with taxing authority into an IGT. They just can't. Um, so, uh, Scott and I come out with clear English saying that, forget that, it is mandatory, uh, we're all going to pony up. But in order to get into the game, we have to reach out to uh, the PPGMT uh, website and let, um, and this is what we need to do right now. If you haven't, if you're a current GMT provider and you have not sent in your letter that says, hey, I'm raising my hand, I'm in then uh, you need to do that immediately, immediately. Um, and then the state is, they just sent us an email uh, this morning that says they're working on what the estimates are for our quarterly, um, you know, true up of our non-federal share. How much each, each participating agency, based on a retrospective view of how many Medi-Cal transports you've done, um, 
an estimate of what your first quarterly payment's going to be for the new PPGENT program. Yeah, so Ted, coming back to the, the point, like you say, mandatory, not mandatory, um, which, which all makes sense. I, I guess I just want to add, you know, one point to uh, the example you gave where maybe a smaller agency, you know, if they were not to put their money up front that collectively across the state, you know, perhaps there's a way for us to bridge that. Um, I, I think, though, what's important, you know, I certainly wouldn't want any of our um, fellow chiefs saying, hey, I'm a smaller agency. I'm just going to let the big guys do that, because collectively, if we had a number of agencies do that, and let's be frank, most of the fire departments in the state of California are those smaller agencies. They're not the L.A.'s, the San Francisco's. They're the smaller ones. You could reach a threshold where you could not make that difference up, even with the larger agencies. And so I think it is important, uh, you know, to continue to reinforce the importance of us as a community, the fire service community in California, being a responsible partner and saying, hey, this is a worthwhile endeavor because I'm going to get um, those reimbursements that I otherwise might not get. Yes, I understand in this program, they don't have to participate. They theoretically could um, um, still receive the money. That's a gamble, right? Um, the guarantee is participate in the program, put your 50% up front, um, then you will get those reimbursement am- amounts. You, you had mentioned also earlier, you know, there's sort of two points to this. So we know that the CPE and the QAF program goes away. So if you are a participant in that and you don't join the PPGEMT, what happens? So, um, so you you're still recognized as a government provider of healthcare with taxing authority. So you will. They've the state has already identified all of us that are in the current programs and our billing numbers called your NPI number. And so, and they know how many transports we've done. So you will still get the thousand dollars per transport without having to put your money up. So, so here's a strategy. Um, If I could go back a little bit, Chief Tubbs, remember we said that GMT cost reports were on hold for almost four years. Well, we're filling those out now. Many have already submitted those. So, hey, fire chiefs, how about we talk to our city managers, we talk to the finance people and say, hey, we're going to get this money and it's purposefully going to be streamlined and and fast forward. Hang on to it. If if your cash flow is uh, at risk, hang on to that reimbursement, that that tax refund you're going to get because you're going to get four of them. Hang on to that money and you leverage that to put forward as your IGT um, quarterly non-federal share until such time as your cash flow comes in and then you could plan for it. So maybe that first year you're gonna need to, to use that. So you have some money coming in. So let's be wise, plan for it and tuck it away and you can leverage that, uh, call it out and leverage that to, to pump the system, prime the system, excuse me, um, for this GEMT program. So, that, so in my opinion, and of course, Right. I've been I've been doing this. And again, like, like I said, there's only two people that really understand this program. And it's Scott and I. Well, three, if you include Pilar. 
there's no reason that you should not be participating in this program. It's a fantastic, incredible benefit to the California Fire Service. Uh, we do it right. It's literally going to bring in hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars over time. Um, and all that money, all those monies that we can do put back into our system to increase our level of care to the citizens that, that are asking us and paying us to, to serve them. So with that in mind, Ted, and you had mentioned, you know, that this program starts January 1, 2023, we're on this tight timeline. Again, as an individual agency, what do I need to do? What what can I expect out of CalCHIEFS and what are sort of some of the, let's say, critical timelines between now and January 1? I bought off on it. I need to make the switch. This makes sense. What do I do moving forward? So the very, very first action to take today is to make if you haven't sent your letter into uh, the state, the PPGMT program at Department of Healthcare Services, send it in. And how would I know if my agency has or has not already sent that in? Uh, You can if you don't know yourself, then uh, you could contact them or you could contact me and I can I can look into it for you as a benefit to Calch as a Calchiefs member. Uh, we could do that, but you could contact them yourself um, as well. We received a list, Scott and I and Polar received a list of those agencies that had not um, so far raised their hand. And uh, we've we've reached out to some of them. I don't know if we've reached out to all of them. I know Chief Tubbs, we were talking about the area directors, maybe reaching out to, to some of them. We talked about it at the e-board. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, sh- we shared that information. <clears throat> so it's there. You know, contact me, contact the state uh, to see if you have it. If you haven't, send your letter in that says you're going to participate. Um, we, we actually got feedback that said we uh, were almost, I, I'm not going to quote, but we had a, a great increase from the outreach effort that we did. Uh, the state let us know uh, more agencies came forward. That's number one. Number two is it's clear after the conference, Chief Tubbs, as you and I talked about, that Cal Chiefs needs to put on another training um, and and a, and a how-to. So not not only this history lesson that we just talked about, but the real how-tos. And, and again, it's the people that are filling out the cost reports. Those are the ones that need to be there. The fire chiefs need to hold the hands or the you know feet to the fire, so to speak, of finance to say, make sure you're get your grat you are putting down everything that's allowable. You're leaving money on the table. Why? Why are you leaving money on the table? We're not taking anything that's not ours. Here are the rules. Play by the rules. Uh, you know, make sure you're not leaving any money on the table. And and the finance folks that are filling out the cost reports need to come to that training. Um, as you know, chiefs and le- you know, leadership to understand the program so you can articulate it to your elected when asked, your, your CMs when asked. <clears throat> um, so, so we need to provide that training. I know that uh, Executive Director um, Jeff Meston is, you know, is reaching out right as we speak, trying to set some dates and locations uh, up and down the state, but we need to do that very quickly. So, you know, obviously we have in the state a variety of different types of fire agencies. You know, you and I are part of a special district and we can provide that direction 
very easily to our finance team and make sure that we have the right people in there. Uh, you know, when we talk about municipal organizations, obviously there's a city manager that's involved in that process. You get to the county level. Now we're, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about a county administrator or whatever the title is that, you know, each county may have a different title, but, um, for fire chiefs in a county fire department, maybe more difficult to direct the county's finance officer. How can, how do we help, um, inform fire chiefs? Uh, so they can have that conversation with whoever uh, in their chain of command is the right person to help engage. If you're having resistance, if you reach out to your finance director and are like, look, I don't have the time for this. Um, clearly, I think there would be some interest on the part of fire chiefs to say, all right, I need to be able to go and talk to um, our direct and help influence some change. Do you have any recommendations on that? Well, I do, because uh, this is what worked uh, 12 years ago. So as, as we were going up and down the state talking to, to county chiefs groups about the original GET program, which, you know, it, if, if you think this concept is difficult, back then it was like nobody knew anything about this. So Scott and I had to, had to explain it. And back then telling fire chiefs is, Hey, guess what? Whether you like it or not, your government providers of healthcare with taxing authority, get over it. And, and it was like, what? Well, the, what got their attention is when we did the the back of the bar napkin math and showed how much money you're going to get out of this. That's what got chiefs leaning forward, nodding the head said, Oh, you know what? I'm going to get a million dollars for not doing anything except filling out some forms you know what? We are government providers of healthcare with taxing authority. And then go to the finance person's boss and say, Hey, here's a, we're leaving a million dollars a year, whatever your number is uh, on the table. And now remember this number is going to be two to three times what you're getting today, today. So you've already have proof. It's not a concept anymore. Mm-hmm. You have proof for enhancing this, this amount. And that strategy, um, almost universally has worked. Well, I don't think there's a reasonable argument for not wanting to take additional funding, especially for the fire service in this day and age with many of the challenges we have around demands on our services, especially as all hazard agencies. Um, you know, before we sort of close it out, I, I want to thank you and, and Scott and Pilar and certainly CPF and IFF, you know, Frank Lima, as you mentioned, Um, the work that you guys have done on behalf of all of us, um, especially as fire chiefs, um, in providing another stream of revenue, you know, again, starting over 10 years ago with GEMT, but this, this stream of revenue that really helps us enhance the services, you know, sort of eliminates uh, the subsidizing that our taxpayers are doing for healthcare, which is really a part of this, um, uh, federal re, uh, reimbursement process. So thanks for that. Um, and, and I know that there are many other chiefs across the state who are equally grateful because it, it certainly has brought, um, some great relief. Are there some things as we sort of wind this down that, that we've not covered that you think that we should? I, you know, I think it's really important as you did here at the end, talking about the timelines, kind of expectations, next steps. Have we not talked about anything in this uh, that we should? And, and then sort of what can we expect next? Um, 
Now, I think that we, I think at the high level that we wanted to uh, talk about this, I think we've accomplished that. And uh, I think any feedback that we get from this information, we can drill down and, 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 be, and supply the need there once identified. Um, uh, I absolutely, the, tr- the training um, that, that we're going to be putting forth soon uh, will help with all of this as well. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, there's, there's been a lot of, as you said, a lot of work, blood, sweat, and tears on this program uh, by Pilar, Scott, and I. But I, I would just like to say to California Fire Chiefs, you know, thank you for the opportunity. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know anything about this. Uh, neither did Scott before we started. Um, Pilar was actually in charge of the pro- original program, the department that ran the original program before uh, Scott and Kurt hired her <laughs> to, to join their team. Um, but it's been an honor. Uh, it's been a great opportunity and an honor to serve uh, the California Fire Chiefs. And we're looking forward to this increased enhancement uh, for all of us that uh, will increase the level of service that we provide to the citizens of this great state. So last question, uh, anyone who may have questions that we've not addressed in uh, today's discussion, where should they go? Who should they contact? Well, they can contact uh, me, um, certainly. Um, and so uh, you, uh, let me get my email or... We can certainly direct them to the Cal Chiefs website. Your your Cal Chiefs email is on there. It's probably the best way, I would think, to get a hold of you. Yeah, that would be the best way to get a hold of me is either through the Cal Chiefs or department um, email. Well, Ted, I really appreciate you taking time um, on uh, the, this topic. I think it's really important, clearly timely. Um, you know, one of our objectives in this is making sure that we – you know, spread the the information and the education. We've got these critical timelines that we're trying to meet. We want to get 100% participation. We want everyone to step forward and make their contributions. And we want to demonstrate, you know, to the state, um, you know, that we're capable of of sort of rising to this challenge, which clearly we are. Uh, and, and more importantly, perhaps, is be able to bring some of that revenue back into our local communities and enhance the services that we are providing. So thank you for your time today. And uh, we look forward to hearing more in the coming weeks and uh, months. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity.